Is faith the enemy of reason? Is faith blind? Aren't there verses in the Bible that tell us that faith is a blind leap of faith? Today we're going to look at this question. My name's Hayden, and this has helped me believe. In today's modern scientific era, how could you possibly still believe in God? And, and the resurrection, people do not rise from the dead. And don't even start to tell me that you think the Bible is God's Word. If you've ever heard questions like these, or if you've ever had doubts about your faith, this has helped me believe where each week we aim to answer a tough question about Christianity. Our aim is to strengthen the believer and answer the critic. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, it's been a little while since I've done an episode. Uh, I've been busy getting married and going on a honeymoon. Uh, we had a, a good time, a good trip, a safe trip. Everything's great. Enjoying the married life. Um, learning quite a bit. Um, mostly just how selfish I am, and so I'm learning uh, a lot of good things, and uh, it, everything's been great thus far. Um, but uh, enough about me. We'll, we'll jump into our uh, material here today. Uh, we're looking at the question, is faith blind or is faith the enemy of reason? And in an article I wrote um, the other day, I said that one of the biggest threats against apologetics is internal. And so uh, apologetics is um, put simply the f uh, area of theology that aims to provide rational or reasonable answers um, to questions about Christianity or to provide a rational basis for the beliefs of Christianity. So it looks at questions like, does God exist? How, how do you answer that kind of a question without arguing in a circle through the Bible and things like that? Or how do you know the Bible is God's word? How do you know Jesus rose from the dead? Um, other than just saying, well, the Bible says so, well, how do you believe the Bible? See what I mean? So if you listen to the podcast, you probably already know this. I'm just kind of refreshing. But one of the biggest threats, and threats is in quotations, um, is internal. There's Christians who believe that uh, this idea of using reason to defend the propositions of Christianity is a is an affront to faith. That's not what faith is. Faith isn't reason. Um, faith is, I mean, but really on this definition, I just don't know how else to define it. But if you think that this is what faith is, then faith becomes a blind and, by definition, irrational. If you're saying we shouldn't make, well, first of all, you're self-defeating. You're making an argument that we shouldn't give arguments, or you're giving a reason as to why we shouldn't use reason. So, so first of all, this position is self-defeating, but uh, really I'm going to look at the verse that it is usually founded upon. Um, but anyway, the, the general idea is that there's some Christians who think that we shouldn't use reason. Uh, this is uh, contrary to what the Bible calls faith. So I'm just going to, I'll take them at their word, and we'll go to these verses that they usually cite to defend this. Now again, I repeat, this position is completely uh, self-defeating. Um, you're giving a reason as to why we shouldn't use reason. You're making a defense as to why we shouldn't make defenses. So... But anyway, the number one verse that I usually get on this, and I actually don't get it that much, but it, it, it is something worth covering, I think. But the number one verse I usually get on this is uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, Now faith is, so we're getting a definition of faith. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And so then the, the person will say, See, faith is uh, what is not seen. 
you can't this isn't reasonable or logical it's a it's a blind you can't see it leap of faith so why do you believe in God? I have faith. Why do you believe in Jesus? I have faith. How do you know the Bible is God's word? I have faith. Now, an offshoot of this is that whenever you have doubts about God, you say, man, I hear an objection at school or from whoever uh, about the existence of God, and I don't know how to answer it. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Well, you just need to have more faith, as if faith is something you can just conjure up within yourself, and as if this is anywhere close to how the Bible defines faith, and I'm going to suggest that it's not. But I'm... I'm trying to contain myself here to just these uh, verses. So let, uh, let's look at them again. Again, the verse says, Now faith is, is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Now, the idea that the author of Hebrews here um, is promoting a blind or irrational faith is just immediately decimated uh, by the next few verses. So whenever we... Um, we don't just take verses out of their context. A verse without a context is simply a pretext. This is how you get uh, people promoting things like this that simply aren't true, even from a b biblical uh, perspective. For example, in Hebrews 11, the next two verses, uh, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible or not seen. Okay, so the author clearly is saying here that we can come to a, a knowledge of God who is not seen by observing creation, that which is seen. We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. So we look at what is seen, and from there, from that starting point, we reason back to that which is not seen through arguments like uh, Aquinas's five ways and other philosophical arguments for the existence of God, which always start with an observation. Like Aquinas starts uh, his his first argument for the existence of God is based on motion. So he says, um, in the world uh, that we sense, it's evident, it is certain to our senses that some things are in motion. And then he goes on from there to make a philosophical argument from the existence of God. This is exactly um, what Hebrews is saying here in, in verse 3. That we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen, what is seen was made from things that are not seen, that are not visible. So it's perfectly coherent to affirm Hebrews 11.1 1, that, um, again, which says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, and also affirm Hebrews uh, 11 verse 3, that we understand the universe created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. These aren't in contradiction to each other. Uh, if they were, the author of Hebrews wouldn't have said them one after the other, and we can observe them and see that they're perfectly reasonable. Faith, we have, the object of our faith is unseen. The object of our faith, we are, you could say in some sense that we are blind to the object of our faith, God, because we can't see him. But we know of his existence, epistemologically, we come to the knowledge of God based upon what we can observe. And in between those two things is human reasoning. And we can test it to see if it's sound, see if it's not. Do these things contradict? So there's there's no... Uh, faith is not the enemy of reason. There's no um, contradiction here in affirming both faith and reason. Um, I'm trying to think of who said reason is the handmaiden of faith, or, or maybe the other way around, something like that. They go together. 
All right, they're not mutually exclusive. They they fit nicely together. Now you continue reading in in Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, the author gives even more examples as to what he or she. I think it was Luke, and so does Dr. Allen, who I interviewed a few weeks ago. But um, the author, I'll just say the author of Hebrews. I'm not going to argue with you about it. Um, gives all kinds of examples, a bunch of examples in chapter 11, um, illustrating what he means by faith, what it looks like to have faith. And I'm just going to take Abraham as the example. Uh, the author of Hebrews says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, Your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Hebrews 11, 17-19. So, he says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. What does that mean? He tells us. He specifically points out, uh, he, speaking of Abraham, he says, he received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son. You see, what had happened in, in the life of Abraham back in Genesis God promises Abraham that Isaac will be his um, uh, will be this his son that will pass on Abraham God tells Abraham I'm sorry I'm, I'm getting my words mixed up God tells Abraham that Isaac will be the son through whom he will bless the nations through whom he will carry on the covenant that he made with Abraham so God makes a covenant with Abraham and he says Isaac will, I will make a, a, a covenant with Isaac as well and then after Isaac comes Jacob and God makes a covenant with him as well and so in this way um, Isaac is Abraham's only begotten son his unique son he is the son through whom the covenant will be carried out and through whom God will eventually uh, bring about Jesus, and he will be the one who ultimately blesses all the nations. But it's an odd thing for God to promise that, right? And then say, okay, I want you to go and sacrifice your son on this mountain. Uh, like what? If I kill my son, how are you still going to, how are you going to uh, carry on the covenant with him like you promised? Well, the author of Hebrews believes that it's because Abraham... Uh, because God could raise Isaac from the dead, and Abraham knew that. If you look back in Genesis, I, I guess he he may have protested, but there's no evidence in the text that Abraham protested this command of God to go and sacrifice Isaac. He just gets up and goes. And the author of Hebrews says that that is because Abraham knew that God could even ra raise Isaac from the dead. Why would he think Isaac was going to raise from the dead? Because God already promised that he would bless Isaac, that he would carry on the covenant with Isaac. And so you see, Abraham's faith is not blind. It's based upon a promise that God had already made and God had already seen. I mean, Abraham had already seen God bring about his promises, and he's been with Abraham this whole time, and um, he's blessed Abraham, and so much has happened. Gave him a child in his old age. Um, just all kinds of stuff. God had blessed him, and then he promised that he would carry on that blessing with Isaac. So Abraham knew, he trusted, that uh, even if he did... Even if Isaac did die, God would raise him from the dead because he hadn't carried out that promise yet. So this faith isn't blind. It's based on some reason. It's based on the promise of God. It's, it's, it's never just blind. And the, the entire Bible really is um, committed to this definition of faith. Um, it's always based on evidence. When God sends Moses to the people, uh, to the Hebrew people who are enslaved in Egypt, he doesn't just say, 
I mean, he does say, go and, 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 and tell them, and I'm going to bring you out and stuff like that. But he gives uh, Moses and Aaron the abilities to work miracles, to convince them, right? You're not just going to show up after you know, 400 years of slavery or whatever and say, all right, we're going to leave. The greatest, most powerful nation on earth is just going to let us go. Yeah, right, Moses. But he, he performs miracles. He performs signs, uh, not only before the, peop- the Hebrew people, but before Pharaoh himself, stuff like that. There's evidence. God gives evidence. And, and, and even the plagues back in Exodus, God is over and over again says that he's doing this things, these things so that the people will know I am the Lord. So he wants people to know he's the Lord. He wants people to trust in him um, as Lord and uh, as God. And he gives evidence that he is God. These signs, the, whether they're plagues or Moses performing a miracle or whatever. And that really does just carry out all the way through the prophets. And even when we come to the life of Jesus, Jesus performs miracles over and over again. You look into the Gospel of John at the end of God, John's Gospel. He explicitly says, I've, I've uh, recorded these things so that you will believe. The entire Gospel of John is... Um, supposed to be taken as evidence so that you would believe in Jesus. The Gospel of Luke is, is written the same way. At the beginning of Luke's Gospel, he's writing to his friend Theophilus. He says, I, I've gone and taken eyewitness testimony and recorded these things so that you would believe with cert- so that you would know with certainty the things, the things which you have been taught. These are the Gospels themselves were supposed to be taken as evidence upon which you would have faith in Jesus. So, I mean, the entire Bible is, is uh, um, evidence for faith. So this idea that we shouldn't use reason, that we shouldn't do apologetics, we shouldn't talk about evidence or whatever, we should just have blind faith, is completely um, void in the Bible. It's not in, that, 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 does, that idea does not come from Scripture. And if you ask me where it comes from, it, becomes, it comes from a concession. We're conceding to our modern skeptical age that... Um, Christianity and all religions belong in the fiction uh, in the fiction aisle, whereas science and and stuff belongs in, in the nonfiction. That and so we say so faith is way so over here we do faith and over here they do reason and fact. That's not what the Bible promotes. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is based on a historical fact of Jesus' resurrection. If there was, if Jesus did not literally die, if it's not a historical fact, then he could not have died for our sins. So the historical fact, the, the theological point that Jesus died for our sins is based upon the historical fact that he really actually died at a point in time in history. So if you can't have one without the other. Well, I mean, you can, but... Not, you can't have the theological theological point without the historical point. The point the point is it's based on fact. It's based on reason. There's the underlying message is not that um, Christianity is about faith, whereas science and other things are, are reason and fact. Um, they're both on reason and fact. But um, while we're defining faith, it's also important to say that faith is not merely this intellectual assent, right? Because the Bible tells us in James 2.19, you believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. See, the de- even the demons believe in God. So I can give a reason for you to believe in God, and you say, oh, that's true. All right, that's, that's, um, that is a form of faith, I suppose, but it's not saving faith. It's not what the Bible says is going to save you. 
And then another verse says, just then, uh, in Mark 1, 23 through 24, in the life of Jesus, it says, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, not only in James do we find that the demons believe in God, but they know who Jesus is. So if I give you an argument for Jesus' resurrection and say Jesus is the Son of God, see? And you say, yes, I believe that. Congratulations, you believe what the demons believe. They know who he is, so what's the difference? The difference isn't about our intellectual assent or our knowledge of God and Jesus. The difference is our loyalty. So faith has, has to do with loyalty as, as well. You can, you can say whatever you want. Um, you can believe whatever you want. But if you don't live a life that reflects your loyalty to Jesus, then James in chapter 2 says, your, your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. And this is what he is getting at. Faith is not merely intellectual assent, but it certainly isn't less than that. Reason and evidence has always been a part of the message of Christianity. It always will be. And we, sh- we should not um, feel bad about it or feel uh, like it is a threat to faith. Wraith, faith and reason go hand in hand. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching or listening. If you're tuning in on the uh, podcast, uh, go ahead and give us a follow and leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe so that you can uh, get future updates. If you want access to our our bonus segment to watch five more minutes with uh, the people that I interview, or if you just want to support the show, go over to to our Patreon page. Uh, Follow the link in the description, and you can uh, support our ministry however much you see fit. Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.